Welcome to Sunday Morning at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and in response to the events of the amazing resurrection at Easter, it now becomes our job to discern how we respond to the events of Holy Week and Christ being raised from the dead. We are to discern how we are being led to live, to change our lives, to care for others, to welcome others to Christ's table. This is our call and our challenge. Let's do this together. Come on in. Our first scripture reading today comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 18, verses 1 through 15. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre, as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. He looked up and saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, My Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread, that you may refresh yourselves, and after that you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. So they said, Do as you have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah, and said, Make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it, and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd, and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to the servant, who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where is your wife, Sarah? And he said, There, in the tent. Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season. And Sarah was listening at the tent entrance behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. It had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have grown old, and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? At the set time, I will return to you, in due season, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, Oh, yes, you did laugh. This is the word of the Lord. We are reading again, and if these sound familiar to you and you were here last week, it's because we read them as our scripture, but because we had our triple baptism last week, um, we could not fully explore them, and so we are reading them again today, and we are rereading as we did the Genesis 18 passage, Matthew 9.35 through 10.8, and I would invite you to please stand for the reading of this gospel text. If you are able, Matthew nine thirty five through ten eight. Listen for the word of the Lord. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of of the kingdom, and curing every disease and every sickness. 
When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Then Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to cure every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, also known as Peter and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon, the Cananean, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. These 12, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out the demons. You received without payment, give without payment. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We are all somewhat aware of Vincent Van Gogh, born March 30th, 1853, and was uh, born, grew up in the Netherlands, was a Dutch post-impressionist painter who in his lifetime, we only know that he sold one painting, one. Posthumously, after his death, became one of the most famous and influential figures in Western art history. Most of his works were done in the last few years of his life. But an interesting fact was that both Van Gogh's father and his grandfather were Protestant ministers. And at a certain point in his journey, Van Gogh, uh, Vincent, was heading in that same direction. He was being groomed by his family. He was headed that way, but did not get into the seminary, the school that he wanted to for his studies. Then he tried another missionary school, did not get in there. And so from there, he went and spent time with coal miners, gave up what little money, value, and property he had, lived in a hut and slept on straw. The church didn't like that and kicked him out of that position. They thought it was doing harm to the priesthood and the idea of what it means to serve. So Van Gogh then went back to painting. He, he sold art early in his life. At one point, went to a community of artists in France. Uh, Paul Gauguin was one of his contemporaries and roommates. And it is Gauguin who tells the story of a thoroughly depressed and anxious and overwhelmed Van Gogh who wound up taking his own ear in a fit of anger and depression. We know that Van Gogh dealt with severe depression all the way through his life and yet continued to hope and continued to hope until he could no further and then assumed uh, that the end of his life in 1890 uh, died from what we think is a self-inflicted gun wound to his chest. 
But one of the things that Van Gogh lifted up was this quote. Christ alone has affirmed eternal life as the most important certainty, the infinity of time, the futility of death, the necessity and purpose of serenity and devotion. He, Christ, lived serenely and an artist greater than all other artists, scorning marble and clay and paint, working in the living flesh. I love that quote. Talking about Christ as an artist who was not working in the medium of or media of other artists, but works in living flesh. That means you and me to paint Christ's masterpiece pieces through us. If you look at the cover of your bulletin today, the one piece that we know that Van Gogh sold in his lifetime is called the Red, the Red Vineyard, 1888, and it is on the cover of your bulletin. He was known for his colors, especially at the end of his life. As many artists, he started off very differently, but honed his technique. He's known for his use of colors and shade. You see people working in the vineyard. You see the sun, which would be setting. So this is a late afternoon moment and snapshot of time. You see the river over on the right, and you see all of the people working. The red vineyard today lifts up the words of Christ who said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Who's going to go? What would happen if you look at, at this vineyard and there was no one in it? What would happen there in the vineyard? Nothing. Nothing. All of that good produce, all of that which was grown and meant to be cultivated, to be used, shared, celebrated, would all die and rot away. In this passage, starting with Matthew 9, Jesus throws down the challenge of all challenges to his disciples who here are being called apostles. Often those two words are interchangeable, but here it's important to know why he calls them apostles because apostles mean to be sent. Up to this point, they are disciples. They are following Christ as he teaches, as he leads, as he heals most of chapter 8, we're in the end of chapter 9 here. Most of chapter 8 has to do with Jesus healing person after person after person. Jesus teaching, Jesus performing miracles and doing amazing things. And now Jesus sends the 12, these 12. That's why they're listed by name. There were almost certainly more people who were gathered and were following Christ but Jesus picks them out. Why were they the most faithful? No. They were just like you and me. They meant well, but they were broken people. You have Judas who would betray Christ. You have Matthew, the tax collector. We talked about him a few weeks ago. People hated him, his own people, Jewish, because of what he did for them and the way 
that he bowed down to the state and not to Christ or to anyone else, called him to be a disciple. Dang, y'all. And he sends them out. And why? Is this just Jesus being a good manager and teacher? You have followed and watched me, and now it's time for you to go out and do what you have seen. Partly, but first and foremost, the text says this. After Jesus had been around in the synagogues, curing diseases and sicknesses, he looked out and saw the crowds that had begun to follow him, and he had compassion for them. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless. Two very specific words, harassed and helpless. And then uses familiar language like sheep without a shepherd that came first earlier in Ezekiel 34, has that whole chapter talking about uh, the leaders in the church who are not leading the house of Israel as they should, like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus lifts it up here but harassed and helpless. Do you feel harassed and helpless? Of course you do at times. But such overwhelming words to talk about what moved Jesus. Again, this wasn't a management, a managerial tool for growing young disciples and apostles. It can serve, it will serve as that, but it's first because Jesus saw them and had compassion for the ways that they were in need and responded because of that. Harassed and helpless. There are so many things in our world that are outside of our control. Hoops that you have to jump through whether you want to or not. And then there are things that we do have control over. Sometimes we are helpless to change the ways of things or the external forces that impact us. But what I hope we learn is that harassed and helpless is not hopeless. As a people of faith, we are rooted in Christ and the resurrection as people of hope, that is so much a part of our faith. And yet at times we will feel overrun. We will feel as Van Gogh did and be overcome with anxiety and depression and external forces that we cannot control. But here, Christ saw them, and in those cases, Open your heart to Christ. Open your heart to one another. Seek the help that you need. Do not isolate yourself lonely and in the dark. Seek help. So here Christ says, you know what? We're going to do something about it because I've seen it. There are people here who need help. And you... My disciples, now my apostles, because I'm sending them to be sent. I'm sending you out to do what I've been doing. What if Christ came here today? 
stood in this pulpit and said, friends, you have learned about me for so long. You have been following me, listening to the stories. I've been with you in your times of study and prayer and fellowship and service and worship. We have been in great relationship with each other. Or even if you don't know me, Jesus says, I have loved you from day one and now call you into service, all of you. Long timers, short timers, not yet timers. It's time. I want you to go from here after worship and I want you to cure every disease and every sickness. Cure the sick, raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. That's a pretty big ask, isn't it? Well, Jesus, I, I put a little something in the offering for you today, and that won't, won't that do it? Is that enough? I came to breakfast. Does that, does that count? I'm at church. I'm on the church grounds. Do I, don't I get credit? Jesus says no. <laughs> it's time. It is time to pivot and time for you to go out and start to engage what I have taught you. It's time to synthesize what you know about me and all of the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, with the relationship between God and people. Put it all together, synthesize it, and go out into the world. And what does Christ put the premium on? Compassion and those who are in need. Puts the premium there. He doesn't say, go out and tell others about me. He doesn't say, go out and even make little Christians in the world. He doesn't say, go out and tell them about what you've seen. He says, help them. Heal them. Use what I and God have given you to make a difference in their lives. He doesn't say, Ask them questions about their journey, where they have been, what they believe about this or that. Go out. He says, stay within the house of Israel. This is your training ground. And later in Matthew, Christ will open it up again. In Matthew 28, go out into all the world, baptizing the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them everything that I have taught you and know I will be with you to the end of the age. Christ will open that up, but for now, for this opportunity, Christ says, stay close to home. If they won't welcome you in, shake the dust off, move on to somebody who you can help, who will allow themselves to help. We know all this to be true, right? Sometimes we have tried to help others who don't want our help. To try to share our faith in word and or deed People say, no, thank you. They either misjudge us, misunderstand, or hold us accountable for what they see other Christians doing, or maybe we have responded poorly, and they know you go to that pretty church on the corner, and all the people there must be like that one mistake that you made, and now we are all held responsible. Sometimes people will welcome us when we seek to help and sometimes they will not. 
But the call is for each of us today. Can we raise the dead? I don't know. But there is good that we can do in the community. Can we heal people? There are a lot of ways to heal people. There are a lot of ways to raise people from the dead. There are a lot of ways to cure sickness. And God gave you what you need to go and do so. We just have to do the one big word, and that is obey. Obey God's call. Obey Christ's call. We don't like that word obey because it's somebody telling us what to do, and we don't like anybody telling us what to do. We'll serve God on our timetable as well as it fits in. But Christ says, this more than fits in. This is who I'm calling you to be. You go, I've given you what you need. I'm transferring my authority to you to go out and help people. Think about that. All authority has been given Christ's authority to you. We're afraid of that. I don't want that kind of responsibility, do I? Then I'm going to have to go and use it. Got enough things to do with my time. To claim this authority, to claim what Christ is asking us to do is a huge act of courage. The disciples had to say, I don't know, okay, I'm going. We'll see what happens. But we know more than that and better than that. Christ doesn't send us out alone, didn't send them out alone. Huge portion of this. Because as we see ourselves in the community, how can I help people? I think we see ourselves alone. I'm driving down the car, I'm driving in my car, I'm walking down the street, I'm walking the dog in the neighborhood. None of that was meant to be. Christ sent them out by twos, in pairs. We were not meant to live this journey on our own. We were meant to be a part of a community. And so a practical challenge for today is for you to find someone whom you can find kinship with, that you can be united, maybe it's friend through Christ, united through Christ, and you two hold each other accountable and you go and find a way to do some kind of hands-on ministry. Maybe your spouse or significant other, but if this is just gonna get put on the to-do list and pushed to the bottom of that list, find somebody else. Y'all are doing enough stuff to stay afloat in the world, I get it. But maybe with a sibling, a child or parent, a friend down the street, someone who may share a concern for something that you do as well. And you call them up and said, say my pastor says you and I should get together and go do something that we are being sent for Christ to go because we've been talking about this all week or we've talked about this before, about this issue. How are we being sent to go and do what can we do? And sometimes there's an agency, many times, that are already tackling that problem. Fine, how can you go there and help that agency in a more hands-on and specific way? 
John Calvin said that good missionaries make good theologians and good theologians make good missionaries. Why? Because you cannot have one without the other. If you are thinking about God, if you are reading scripture, then it necessitates hands-on action response. So my challenge for you this week is to find someone with whom you can do hands-on mission ministry with and go and do something together. Know that you have been empowered. Be safe where you go. Maybe it won't work out. Shake the dust off and move on to something else together. Because you are all apostles this week being empowered and sent. Jesus assesses the needs and he has compassion. Then he empowers them and he sends them. So today, dear friends, you are being empowered again to go out into the world to respond to the many needs that you have seen and or see on a daily basis. It may be huge national or world systemic issues. It might be somebody in your home or your neighborhood, your community, our city. But it's a hands-on call. Find that partner and do ministry. Respond to this call. Become an apostle today. The very last passage, the very last verse in this passage says, you received without payment, give without payment. We received the grace and glory of Jesus Christ. Now it's our job to go out and share that because we didn't earn it. We were given not to hoard, not to keep inside, but to go and share with the world. And the more that we share, the more that it grows out there and in here. So know that we are all being sent. Know that Christ is the artist working through humankind to make us who he called us to be. So let us now go out two by two to help the hopeless and the harassed and know that when you are in those conditions, that it is Christ's whose love and light seek to heal and walk with you. Hallelujah. Amen.